Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. There are ways to have those conversations that can be still direct, clear, and kind. I don't have to have them from a place of complete resentment when, frankly, the communication is probably not going to come out as well as it could do. And I think that that is a place for, again, us as women, women leaders of business, we need more role models around good, clear, kind communication that still gets the job done. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and continuing on with our theme for this month, being the unapologetic leader in your industry and building your elegant empire. This is a episode that I have been hanging out to record for such a long time. In actual fact, we were chatting before I started recording, and this has been years in the making. So we're going to talk about how to get rich without being a bitch. Now, if you're a male and you're listening, that's okay. You can still hang out here and because there's going to be lots of juicy information. But Vanessa Shaw, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited, Sam. Thanks. I can't wait for our conversation. And yes, it has been a long time in the making. So (laughs) it's because we normally spend so much time chatting that we don't actually ever hit record. So totally, this is great. This is I'm really, really looking forward to this. Why don't you share with us, Vanessa, before we jump into the episode, what is it that you do? And how did you come to be in this place that you're in now? Right. So I have been almost in business for myself for nearly two decades. I realized the years are getting up there. Original life coach. That's what I wanted to do. Well, stay at home mom turned life coach. I had a health coaching practice helping women lose weight, self-esteem issues. And then that rapidly got me catapulted into a major law firm where I ran an internal peak performance coaching program, got into executive coaching and leadership development, stress, resiliency, peak performance. And actually probably had that for nearly four years, three and a half years. And then quick story around that, Sammy, because you possibly don't know this, but I kind of lost that contract. I mean, there were a whole lot of things that happened internally and the contract was disbanded, but I had put all of my eggs in one basket. And when the contract disappeared, mm-hmm. so did like 85% of my income. Mm, ouch. And I found myself, ouch, ouch, like no backup plan. I got very comfortable and 
my Swiss accountant at the time told me that I would need to file bankruptcy <gasps> if I couldn't turn things around quickly. Oh, wow. So that's kind of a, and it's, that's an important point for the conversation today because I really didn't know what I was doing or supposed to be doing in business and the money was coming in and I was spending it and having a really great time and didn't have cash cushions and all of those other good things that I have in business today. So when something went wrong, it was massive panic stations. Mm -hmm. And then soon after that, so good news is I did turn things around and discovered, though, that I pretty much had a dysfunctional relationship with money and wealth. Mm. And this love-hate relationship, didn't understand how it worked, couldn't understand, you know, I've had whole stories around the numbers in my business and sales and everything and thought I was alone and that was just a Vanessa thing. But as I started to work my way through it and had conversations with other women, I would discover that they had similar challenges. Mm. So A, I wasn't alone and which was thankfully somewhat reassuring. Exactly. <laughs> right. And then actually it was then quickly on the back of that, that I decided to really go for my dream. And I wanted to come to the States and I wanted to see what it was like to grow a business here in the States. So just as after I turned things around in Europe, I kind of turned around quickly again and moved my family to Arizona, mm -hmm. which is where I'm at today. And I've just celebrated 10 years here and now very much in a business coaching so realm. So I run the Business Growth Academy. We work with women who are typically professional services and B2B service providers already at six figures. And we're helping them scale to that million dollar mark. Mm. So very much the space that we operate in, love it, have some, you know, phenomenal success stories, but we're really helping women as well with that side of the business all around the money part of it and who they need to be in order to be more successful. Mm. Let's go right there because that was a beautiful segue, who they need to be. We were talking earlier about people not owning their ambition. How much do you see this as being sort of the, the core problem or is it something else that you see as the core problem for women not being able to move forward, I guess, and really own who they are and what they really want? Yeah, right. It's that bigger question of what they really want. Well, the, the, here's kind of I think what's happened is systemically it's really not okay for women to be ambitious in society, right? It's okay for guys to be, but guys are, you know, almost we're going to reward you for being ambitious. Like it's a good trait to have. And somehow for women, if we were to really declare that we're ambitious, we immediately have images of backbiting and cold heartedness and frankly, less feminine than, you know, mm. we're supposed to be. So on the one hand, we've got to acknowledge that, you know, that's perhaps something that's been imposed on us that we've inherited. And so, yes, from the inside, that ambition is about the fuel that we really need, the fuel and the energy that we need to achieve the things that are so important for us. So I think of it as like a muscle, though, as well. We've got to flex that muscle, right? And it can start with sometimes just the smallest things that we want for ourselves that now we are, you know, declaring that we want them and actually going after them. And certainly when I first started out in business, yes, I knew I was somewhat ambitious, but the goals weren't anything like the goals are today, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all relative, but it was 
it was really seeing what I was capable of. And I think this is the other side of this ambition is that when women declare that they want something, it's typically rapidly followed up with a justification. Oh, yes. Like I have to justify, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to justify why I want it. And the justification typically sounds like something that society would approve of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. That is so what we do in, I think, not just ambition, but so many parts. I recorded an interview yesterday, and I'm not going to share with who I recorded the interview with, but it's someone that's on the show this month. And we finished the interview, and this person went, oh, my goodness, Sam, you are such a good interviewer. And you know what I said? Oh, thank you. I think it's because I've done like more than 400 episodes. And he went, why did you follow it up with that? Yes. Could you not have just said thank you? I'm really bloody good. Yeah. And he caught me out because I'm not generally someone that thought I was like that until he called it out. And then I thought, you know, how much of this stuff does hide behind the scenes? Totally. How much of it is sort of deep rooted and comes out? I mean, you and I know that there is all sorts of things like that, but he even surprised, oh, I've just given away. That person actually surprised yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Right. And again, it is, it's like how, you know, sometimes it's just because, right. There doesn't have to be this justification or in your particular case, it's almost like minimizing, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of saying, yes, I'm proud of it. I've invested the time and energy to build 400 podcasts or interviews. I've been honing this, right. Mm. But we can either minimize it or say, feel like we need to justify Mm-hmm. And so for me, that first place, it is totally okay to say that we want something for no other reason than we want something. Totally. I had a friend years ago, as we were sort of talking about this exact topic, and I actually can't remember who this originally came from. So I can't, yeah, I just can't remember who it is. But he said to me, Sam, it's okay to say, I want something because I want something. Yep. And it's really actually changed Leon, my hubby, and I actually say this all the time where we'll catch each other around, you know, because either of us will say, oh, you know, we want this, but, and we both say, no, I want it because I want it. It's okay to do that. Mm, Absolutely. So I think that's that first place. Now, of course, when this comes into business, it is, right? It's like, what do we desire to build? Who do we desire to work with? You know, what do we, you know, what sort of revenues do we want? What sort of profit do we want? Right. Well, you know, what, what do we want to pay ourselves? I mean, all of these things, we've got to be okay declaring them. Mm-hmm. So my dog's so funny. We've got a little Labrador, just in case anybody gets to hear doggy snores. It's not me, it's a Labrador <laughs> that is determined to be in on this conversation today. <laughs> So I would say, yes, that's that first place. Like, let's own our ambition. And then as women, here's the other piece. This is where we have to help one another. A, I think it's really important that we seek out other women who are equally ambitious, right? Their goals can look mm-hmm. different so that we can normalize the conversation. Right? No, no, no. You and I do a lot of that behind the scenes. And it makes it just a very safe, normal conversation. Mm-hmm. The thing we really have to stop doing as women is sometimes we then put it, you know, we impose a story on a woman that, you know, if she's ambitious, well, she in that domain over there, she must be somewhat bad over here. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, like insert, you know, marriages on the rocks. She must be difficult to live with. She must be strident. She must be, she can't be a good mother. I mean, it's like all of mm-hmm. the other things that start to go into play. And no, we can be, you know, we can be ambitious for what we want and we can be successful in other areas of our lives. It doesn't have to be this, you know, one or the other. 100%. Let's talk about this ambition a little bit more because I know that both of us work with some amazing people that sometimes struggle at the beginning to say what they actually want. And a lot of times it's not just saying it, it's that they don't even understand what they want. What are some of the tips that you can give around, you know, beginning that journey so you can really unapologetically step into who you really want to be? Yeah. And I'll go back to my own kind of story on this, because this is really how I discovered this for myself, which I think would probably be the most helpful share. We often won't know necessarily, you know, what we want, because A, we've been so conditioned to not even declare what we want, right? Or many of us have been conditioned to be satisfied with what we've already got, Mm -hmm. right? content that was a lot of the scripting for me growing up was kind of a I had this restless energy and it was my mother I remember her saying like oh my gosh when will you ever be content like when is enough enough Mm. so right that's almost that kind of shaming bucket Mm -hmm. right that you're asking for too much here so for me where I had to start Sam was really tapping into my inner desires going within And not necessarily paying attention to what was going on outside of me, although, of course, those things can kind of inform decisions. But it was listening to what are those desires, those yearnings that I'm having that, frankly, aren't going away? Because we have some that are very fleeting, right? They're just kind of ideas, but we're not necessarily drawn to fulfilling on them. We're not going to put the effort in. But in my particular case, I had this real deeper desire to A, run my own business and B, I knew that the work that I had to do had to make a difference in the world. Yes. Those were the only two things actually my desires actually pointed me like my my desires did not give me like a full, fully written out map or like a business plan (laughs) (laughs) not a full 90 minute blockbuster (laughs) no it wasn't it was like okay but those desires never went away and here's the thing they can be totally irrational they can feel like they're totally irrational there was no real sense of why would I want to be a business owner there's no no other business owners in my family Mm -hmm. you know they were far more kind of professionals, traditional teachers, you know, different. Mm -hmm. There was no rationale for it. But our desires are emotional. They don't have to be rational. And so I think really starting to pay attention to that, the more I paid attention, the more I could see that those desires were like my unique seeds of what I was meant to grow and create and develop in the world. Mm. And they were my inner guideposts. So that's the advice I would say to somebody right now is start to pay attention. And even if those desires feel like, wow, this just feels irrational or crazy, but it's still there, like Mm -hmm. start to pursue it further and engage with it further. Yeah. And it only seems irrational until you shine a light on it. And I was going to say explore it, but sort of deep dive into it because it's only irrational in our head. Once it comes out, 
all of a sudden it comes into form and it has a completely different take on it. And that's when you get the feeling and it's the feeling, isn't it, that really propels you forward. Totally, right, totally. And again, it is, it's like, it, then it becomes very energizing, you know. And again, we have to understand this comes back to the people that we hang out with. Mm. Most people aren't living their life this way. Now, you know, if we're looking at entrepreneurs and coaches and consultants, right, we've already decided to become part of a group of people that frankly, we're the minority mm-hmm. and somewhat strange ones because we're not doing things the way the majority of the world is. Mm-hmm. And so for me as well, right, that's that place of just really following that, trusting it, you know, knowing that that's a place of creativity, of innovation, and being willing to take those risks and then actually learn more about in the process, right, of going after those desires. We will learn more about what we want and what we don't want. Mm hmm. And that comes back to, I think, you know, if we look at society, I was thinking about this the other day. In fact, Robert and I, my husband and I were having a great conversation around it. I said, the problem is, is there's so much prevailing thought in the world around the right things to do, the right sequence, the right career, the way to live life. It's it's, it's almost as if, right, there's only one way to do things. And I certainly grew up with a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And so... We've got to realize that, you know, there are many, many different ways to do things and to be Mm self-expressed and giving ourselves permission to take a risk that we may well go down a path and say, you know what, I tried that and it's not for me. Mm -hmm. But again, this comes back to society. Why do we not do it in the first place? Because I think we're more concerned about what people will think. Yes. And the judgment, right, of you know, let's, you know, oh my gosh, like she said she wanted to start a business, but you know, 18 months later, she was back in corporate. Well, great, because perhaps she was meant to be there, was really following something and yeah, and learned in the process that that was not for her. And this has put her on a path, but you know, people can become very judgy. And I think we become, we don't pursue our desires because we become so concerned about a disappointment. Like what if I really go for it? And things don't work out. And it's like, I feel like I've put my hopes and dreams on the line. And then secondly, judgment of others. Yeah, 100%. And I think that judgment of others holds people back so much. And this is where it gets really crazy. The people that they're afraid of being judged by are not the people that that really are there championers championers is that a word not at all but we know what i mean yes the supporters the people that are champion i can't even say it now the supporters you know the people that are the cheerleaders and saying hey this is great so you know we get so caught up in worrying about these people that we're never going to be with us on this journey anyway yeah it's just crazy You mentioned something before that I want to touch on slightly before we move in, because I think this part is so important and we're talking about having this inner circle and it's the safety of our inner circle, because I think that this can really, really, if this safety isn't in place, it can really have us on shaky ground. What can you speak to about making sure that you're in a safe environment? Gosh, that's such a great question. It's a big one. (laughs) It is. It's a really big one because there's so many layers to this. Mm -hmm. And I can speak to kind of like where I started from and probably where I'm at today. 
because a lot of this does come down to trust, mm-hmm. perhaps some of our sensing and intuition, right, around like really what is safety. Mm, I love that you're bringing that in. Yeah. How does it feel? Right. How does it really feel? Like are we getting that vibe of, ooh, I'm really not sure? And then, frankly, do we need to even like, especially coaches, I think perhaps this is the good side of like you work with a lot of coaches, you know, do we really need to have like verbal contracts around things mm-hmm. and hope that the people that we're having those verbal contracts with are actually going to honor them, even if they're verbal, right? I'm going to share something like, will you really honor this as a confidence? So there's a lot of layers to that kind of like around, okay, the sharing and what do I need to say or ask for in order that I can feel like I'm in a safe place, mm-hmm. like advocate, for, you know, for myself and make sure that I'm making some of those things explicit. Um, the reason I say that is I tend to be fairly naive and still with all these years of my, you know, on this earth, I really believe everybody to be good. That's kind of my worldview. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's, I call it a slightly naive, perhaps, worldview of people. And I have had some really unpleasant surprises, um, not surprisingly so, mm-hmm. right? Of when thinking that something was safe to share and it wasn't, right? And somebody then took that thing. And it was used in perhaps in a harmful way or shared in a way that shouldn't have been, right? And I can think of several times when that's happened over the years. So I've certainly learned a lot of discernment now around who I share with Mm. and really that sending of those people and really choosing those, finding those people. Mm. But the other piece for me, honestly, Sam, has been like the safety net of I find safety within myself. Mm. so right that's where I've come to now after all of these years is that I trust that I feel safe within myself and that's always a place I can come back to Mm. I love that yes right even if something has kind of happened out there I'm going to feel safe within myself and now I really trust that so it's like a it's a safe place to be home for me Mm, love that so much now there's three common traps that you talk about that women find themselves in when they're trying to build this you know I call it an elegant empire when people are really trying to step into their ambition and, and unapologetically say this is what I want can you just I guess roughly just give us those three things And then let's go into them deeper. Totally. So the three that I see happening a lot are number one, undervaluing themselves, right? So really not understanding the real value that they're bringing to the table. And that can show up in lots and lots of different ways in business. Working with the wrong clients is a really classic one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) giving away too much for free. (laughs) Um, So there's the next one is boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think as women, we've certainly been conditioned to think that we've got to be the good girl, the nice girl, you know, say yes Mm -hmm. to everything, be pleasing, take care of everybody else. And I see that one as a real issue, again, in business and boundaries with people, with time, with energy, not putting ourselves first and really like investing in ourselves and taking care of ourselves. That for me is a boundary issue. Mm -hmm. And then the third biggie kind of like my favorite of the three, but they all stack together is money. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
not talking about money, not being confident handling it, knowing the numbers in our business, pricing, generating it, paying ourselves it. I mean, there's again, a whole host of things in that bucket of money. Totally. All right. I think most people understand undervaluing and boundaries. What I'd really love to do is actually deep dive with you and the money, because you know what, this is the conversation that people don't talk about. A lot of people talk about boundaries. A lot of people talk about undervaluing, but not many people stand up and go money. A lot of people, and you've probably noticed this too, even choke and feel uncomfortable using the word money Uh, and they will dance around different words and they don't even use the word money. So let's deep dive here. Yeah. What is the biggest, you mentioned a few things, not knowing your numbers. And I guess a lot of it sort of ties back with undervaluing pricing. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest problem that you see around money? That's like the first thing that you work on your clients with. So I can't honestly say there's any one necessarily one thing because, you know, clients, we, we kind of meet them where they're at. Yep. But I love to share the what I think is the big, dirty, dark secret that nobody is talking about when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. So when we look at women's businesses, you know, everyone's talking about today, oh, my gosh, women's empowerment. And there's so many women starting their businesses. And this is amazing. And like, woo-hoo, like you go, girl, you're doing great. Right. Yeah. And it kind of honestly stops there. <laughs> it's really where that conversation stops. The big dirty dark secret is that women are severely under earning mm-hmm. and underpaying themselves in their business. Mm-hmm. Right. So they are not most women that I speak to are, if anything, paying themselves last. So they will pay everything else first in the business and kind of like what's left over mm-hmm. is for me. Mm-hmm. So this is very much the matching of what they do in society. I'll take care of everybody else first and then I'm last. Yeah. Um, I hear stories from women where they are not the highest paid employee in their own business. Mm-hmm. They are actually hiring other people in their business and paying them more than they're paying themselves. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have done that as well. So that's how I feel. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been down that path. I've done it. I refuse to do it now. I've like, like, no, that doesn't work out, right? It's like pay myself first. Yeah, we've both reached that age where it's like, nope, no more. (laughs) Doesn't work. Yeah. So, right, that's the piece because oftentimes when I start to say, okay, so where are you at revenue-wise? You know, where are you at profit-wise? Oftentimes they won't even know those exact numbers. And then, you know, how much are you paying yourself? And the most common response I get to that question is not enough. Wow. That is the most common response. Not enough, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So now we start to, that's where my, you know, my reverse engineering comes into like, what do you want to be like? What do you want the business to be paying you? Because we can brag and talk about revenue and all the rest of it all day long. Like if we don't figure a few things out, you could have an awful lot more stress and still not be paying yourself what you want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of like the crux of the matter. And for me, that does tie straight back into like really valuing yourself, like as a valuable employee and asset to the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that tends to be a place as well where women, as I say, that's a, a place of like a lot of discomfort. Now, where oftentimes where this kind of all gets kept in place 
is there's a lot of shame around that. Mm -hmm. By the time we're having those conversations, the shame that I'm not paying myself or the shame that my business isn't profitable or that I don't know the numbers, right? So there's a lot around this, you know, shaming ourselves as women, considering ourselves, you know, bad, <laughs> bad business owners, let's say the global, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which unfortunately, again, just keeps this all in play. Like it just keeps it all in the dark, right? Secretive place. So one of the things I really like to do there is normalize. You know, when I start to share stats with women, you know, like share a stat that only 12% of women-owned businesses go over 100,000. Mm -hmm. And it's just shocking statistic, right? It's a really shocking statistic. But because the women that we're primarily working with are already over 100,000, so many times I almost see like their shoulders go down. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't realize like, I'm doing better than I thought I was, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the 12%. This is a great place to start. Yeah. It's a good place to start, right? And then when we get into, you know, perhaps about 300,000, you know, you're probably in the top 5% now. Mm -hmm. So, so you've got to understand like you, we've, you know, we've made a lot of progress. So I like to share those stats. I like to really normalize the conversation. Obviously, I share a lot about my own backstory and why this work is so important. But then we also need the right tools and strategies, right? Because it's like everything's got to work together in business. It's a system. Mm -hmm. So yes, for sure, we are going to get into like, let's look at your offers. Let's look at how you're currently pricing them. Let's make sure, you know, what are your expenses? Like, let's make sure that you really are priced for profit and to pay yourself what you want and what your services are worth. Not that you've just randomly, you know, thrown out some numbers there. Mm. And of course, it's also going to come back into sales, right? We know full well that sales is the only activity in the business that brings money through the door. You can do everything else. Mm -hmm. You can do everything else and do a great job. But, you know, marketing does not make the cash register ring. Mm -mm. that's set mm -hmm. right and it's those conversations and and having a process to follow and feeling so much more confident about a speaking about our offers and then being able to frankly roll off numbers off our tongue like this so that mm. there's no question like when it comes to stating fees there's no hesitation mm. so those are as I say those are some of those key places that we'll start with but then, you know, depending, because again, you know, some of the women that we're working with, they're already running multi seven figure business, right? Those financial pieces are going to become more complex because we're going to be hiring team members and we're going to be looking at salary and perhaps bonuses, performance bonuses, right? All of these other things that come into play. This is interesting, Sam, actually. I'm thinking of a couple of clients right now. But it's actually, I start to see that women bang up against their limitations, particularly it's still a money conversation once they start to hire a team, because all of a sudden I might discover that they're doing something just a little crazy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what's that, <laughs> what's that going on over there? And I'll give a couple of examples, right? We've hired team, perhaps the business owner, she's now at the point like, oh my God, I put in the work. I no longer want to be working. Let's say it's Friday afternoons, right? For sake of argument. And then all of a sudden I discover the whole team has been given Friday afternoons off as well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
what tell me about the thinking behind that help me understand what that's about like is this a cultural thing is this a benefit for everybody and again it's typically not it's more the case of well I can't expect others to do what I no longer want to do and I don't want them to think I'm lazy oh wow or I'm getting rich so to speak on the backs of them Uh and therefore I'm giving them those perks as well like this is going to get tricky when it comes to right salaries and performance plans and trying to scale a business right this is a tricky place to be and let's just call it for what it is as the business owner we're the one that's taking all the risk we're the one that's paying the wages and the wages have to be paid if we have a bad month the wages still have to be paid we're the ones that are you know, we've essentially, yes, we are the benefit of the financial side, but we also are the person that's got our head on the chopping block all the time. All the time. We are the visionary. We're one that's, you know, everything begins and ends with us. Yep. So that it is something that I'm, you can tell, I'm super passionate about. Our team members, yes, we can look after them, but what's the, you know, we still need to look after ourselves more. Totally, totally. It's like, you know, because without us, right, there is no team. There is all of these other things. And most of us in small business. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, if our business doesn't work and we close it, all of those people lose their jobs. Totally. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Most of us are wearing, because we're in small business, we are wearing multiple hats, right? We're, you know, mm-hmm. we are doing sales. We might still be involved in delivery and we're leading our teams. And, and as you said, if all of that for some reason falls apart, yes, everybody is unemployed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are places where I, I say I see it like this next level of women when they get start to get teams they can be, you know, really concerned about having the tough conversations. Those diff- And again, I get it. They're not pleasant to have tough conversations. But when somebody is underperforming or they need to be held accountable for something, those are skills that we need to build. And by the way, they absolutely still have a comp- direct line back to money mm-hmm. because this is you are paying somebody, right? You are paying like it is money. And now somebody is not doing what they should be doing or say they're operating at 60 to 70% capacity, right? That's now coming back out of your business and ultimately your pocket. Mm-hmm. So those like for me is like the next level of conversations that we have to have, I say with team members, perhaps it's with vendors as well that aren't performing, you know, not delivering what they're supposed to deliver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to the who are we being, right? We were talking about the get rich without being a bitch as the title of my book that I'm writing. There are ways to have those conversations that can be still direct, clear, and kind. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have them from a place of complete resentment when, frankly, the communication is probably not going to come out Mm -hmm. as well as it could do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a place for, again, us as women, women leaders of business, we need more role models around good, clear, kind communication that still gets the job done, Mm -hmm. that's not demeaning of the other person, it's not disrespectful. By the way, if the other person receives it as such, right, 
and that's not how it's been delivered that's on them yeah right that really is on them but again those are the conversations that I'll get into with women they but I'm so concerned they're gonna think this of me and I'm like you are the business owner you are the leader here mm-hmm. and really you can't control some of these things and I think that's a really important part yeah you, you said you know you are the leader here I think that's the really important part to step into that leadership because I feel that a lot of women will sort of back away you know you mentioned it before when you were talking about the situation of you know team members not working on Friday afternoon we need to lead the world is actually craving leaders good leaders kind leaders but leaders that are really stepping forward and saying hey this is what we're doing this is the way we're doing it and let's go Mm, absolutely and I you know just as you said that I've literally given this talk a couple of times just last week I was flying out to Colorado and we're just having some fabulous conversations around it around boardroom tables with women and one woman shared that she was very consultative let's say with her team and again I just hear things and I've just heard it a lot over the years so because they think they're going to run something by me I'm like hang on a minute tell me more Mm -hmm. and again the overly consultative was well I really want to keep them happy and I want to you know I want their voices to be heard and that they're a valuable part of the team and everything I said that's all valid right yes absolutely this is valid But where, again, it was starting to tip a balance here was now they start to think that they need to be consulted on absolutely everything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that they are part of leadership and they're part of the vision and they're being consulted. And I said, no, this is your business, right? That's the pieces you have to lead and you choose when you want a more consultative approach, but it doesn't have to be across the board for absolutely every single decision Hmm. and of course what I start to discover through there is yes there is somebody that is very much underperforming Mm -hmm. in the role they've had a conversation with them but they don't want to have that final conversation that really you know really says like we are no longer fit for where we're headed because they've already had Mm -hmm. a couple of conversations and that fear of well we're a small team and what you know the others they'll see this and you know, I'm concerned that this reflects badly on me. I was like, you might want to start to think about that other people are observing. Yes. And perhaps it's already reflecting badly upon you because you are actually not demonstrating that leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have you stopped to think that top performers, your top performers on your team will actually respect you a lot more for having like making the tough decision? Mm-hmm. she was like busted <laughs> you know she was like <laughs> okay right I've seen it in a completely different way now right but this is where again we can kind of get in our own way frankly lose our power mm-hmm. right? and when we need that to be leading our business more effectively totally and that is the importance of being you know looping right back to the beginning the importance of being around the right people we need those right people around us to create that safe space the safety of being able to talk things through because business is challenging. It is. It's not a walk in the park, let's be honest. And the importance of having the right people around us so that we can understand that we're not the only crazy ones. 
Totally. That there are other people that have very big goals and dreams just like us and that is perfectly normal and okay. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I, I'll hang out with a bunch of crazies all day long. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Vanessa, I know that you've got a book, The Million Dollar Question. Can you talk to us about that and why people would benefit from reading this? Totally. A, it's a really short book. Latte or a glass of red wine, perhaps, and you can have read it. So that's like... Oh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. So the million dollar question came from a doctor that we were working with who was holding back on her own ambition. She had this desire to do her, lead her practice in a very different way. She's a top functional doctor here in the States, functional medicine. And she was holding back on it. And again, for fear of backlash from the peers and actually particularly guys like male doctors. And she was running an insurance-based practice. And I asked the question, which the million dollar question, which is what are you tolerating? Mm. Because when we look at ambition and what we want, we actually won't get what we want. We'll get what we tolerate. Mm -hmm. And we really do need these to work together. So we've got to be raising our standards around things that we are no longer willing to tolerate. Otherwise, we're going to create a lot of stress for ourselves. And so she came to me actually in a break at one of my live events and had written everything on a piece of paper and said, this is what it's costing me. Like there's a million dollars that I should have in my practice if I could make this, you know, move. And by the way, I'm hiring you to help me get it. Mm -hmm. And we worked together. She actually sold off part of the insurance-based business and we're fully concierge functional medicine. She's an incredible woman, really incredible. And the practice has completely taken off. And I think now that the worry about the judgment is that she's seeing a lot of other, you know, particularly family physicians that are very inspired by what she's put in place and wanting to do the same. So the reason for going into that book is I give a whole process around mindsets that need to shift, like a whole process for really discovering what you're tolerating and the cost of them and some just simple, simple steps to start to rewire and raise standards and say, stop tolerating some of those things that are really holding you back. Mm. And where can people get a copy of that book? That would be useful information. Wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. And <laughs> my website, so businessgrowthacademy.com. It's just businessgrowthacademy.com. And of course, we'll put that link in the show notes so you can get it over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com. Vanessa, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you as always. I would love you though to leave our listeners with one piece of gold that if this was the only thing they took away from this episode, that it would completely change their mindset and their business. What would it be? Let's go back to those desires, right? And that ambition because that's really where we were starting from. They've been given to you for a reason. Mm. They really have like those deeper desires that really feel like the calling and pulling you forward. They have been given to each and every one of us for a reason. And it is therefore, you know, it's up to us to act upon them. And the peace of mindset around that, that really, really helped me was because at the time when we have a desire, we often think how we go into the how, right? Like, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. 
And for me, the important distinction on the mindset there was, I have been given this desire for a reason. I therefore, the, the ability to fulfill on the desire must also exist because otherwise it would be like giving me thirst or hunger, right? And not being able to act upon it, which frankly feels like a really twisted joke. Mm. So I always sat in the truth of, if I have the desire, the way to fulfill on it must exist, right? So it's there. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm either going to be finding this within myself. And honestly, most times it's an internal process of like following that desire and starting to look at those next few steps. And of course, we've talked a little bit about community and the importance of, say, inner circles is if we are really drawing a blank, then we have to say, who Mm. can help me? Who can help me? Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, big hugs to you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com. Thank you.